0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين اما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا ارزقنا علما تنفعنا به امين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we continuing again this week I'll be it from home, but alhamdulillah the lessons continue and we are nearing the end of our fiqh of hajj, Alhamdulillah. and we, pray us, us, and we ask Allah جل, to accept it from us um, and to grant us the understanding and the ability to implement what we are learning for his sake and his sake alone. Last week, we ended off, basically discussing everything about Arafah, and what's needed about Arafah, and the etiquettes of Arafah, and so forth, and the importance of the day of Arafah, and the du'as that will be that that will be done on Arafah. uh, Insha'Allah, is the best of du'as as as Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said. Um, we said that at the end of the day of Arafah basically ends at sunset that we should try and remain on Arafa until sunset and then leave of course we remember we said again that um, <clears throat> all this is dependent on what your group does and unfortunately sometimes they don't do the ideal thing but <speaking in Hebrew> we believe that Allah will give us what we intend so inshallah if, we can, if the group remains on Arafah until sunset and we make dua right up until the last moment, it will be the best. But if they get us into buses and they start to drive us out, remember you are still on Arafah. Many a times they wait until they, 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 even though you're in the bus, you do not cross the boundaries of Arafa. So get yourself in the frame of mind and maximize the time for dua and so forth. طيب. So what happens is, after Arafa the sun sets. The next thing that happens is we now, as pilgrims, we now proceed to a place called Muzdalifa. Muzdalifa, right? It's not far away from Arafah, it's basically in a walking distance. Some groups will travel by bus, or perhaps most will travel by bus. Now, um, when we reach Muzdalifa, the sunnah is to pray Maghrib and Isha in Muzdalifa with one adhan and two iqamas, right? If he fears that he will not reach Muzdalifah before midnight, he should pray on the way because it's not permissible to delay Isha' prayer after midnight. Right? This applies to in all circumstances. The waqt of Isha' ends at midnight. Right? Because of the hadith in Sahih Muslim, Rasulullah said, ila Nisf al-layl. That Isha' is up until Nisf al-layl, which means half of the night. Yani, midnight. And a side note here, a good point to mention here is that midnight is not necessarily at 12. Midnight is not necessarily always at 12. So midnight actually needs to be calculated, meaning you take the midway point between Maghrib and Fajr. Sorry, between, yes, Maghrib and Fajr. The night starts at Maghrib and it ends at Fajr. So you take, um, let's say for argument's sake, Maghrib is at 7 p.m. and Fajr is at 5 p.m., right? And you calculate the halfway point between the two, so you will have to count the amount of hours, half it, and that will be the that will be the time of midnight, right? If you say let's say Maghrib is at um, seven fifteen, right, and Fajr is at five twenty, for example, then you will find, or let's say five thirty five, for example. Right? If you then add up the times, you will find that midnight is not necessarily at 12. It's not exactly at 12. And this is usually the case. If you take our times today, look at the calendar, calculate from Maghrib to Fajr how, what is the exact time, then half it. And that halfway point is what we consider as midnight. So Isha has to be prayed before that point. Um, and Allah knows best. Right? some people pray Maghrib and Isha on the way in the usual manner before they reach Muzdalifah and this is actually contrary to the Sunnah because when the Prophet Sallallahu stopped on the way and he urinated and performed wudu one of his companions Usama Ibn Zaid who said to him are you going to pray O messenger of Allah he said the prayer is still ahead of you amamak, he said to them the salah is ahead it's not here we're not going to pray here even though Remember, he left Arafa after after sunset. So technically, it's now obviously Maghrib time, right? Yet, as they were on the way, he stopped, relieved himself to kudu, and they said to him, "You know, shall we pray We just to kudu?" And he said, "No, the salah is ahead. It's in front. It's it's basically it's not the on the way. We're going to delay our Maghrib." So he did not pray until he reached Muzdalifah, right? He entered it after the time of Isha. So this journey he took went through the waqt of maghrib right till isha and whilst he was still within the waqt of isha he then prayed maghrib and isha together and he joined it meaning at the time of isha so we know that when you're a traveler for example and you make you jump you jump between the salah you make you combine then you can either do jam taqdeem or jam taqheer meaning taqdeem means you bring the waqt forward the means you delay the waqt, so here yeah, the Prophet delayed the waqt of Maghrib to the waqt of Isha So this is the Sunnah, this is what we should do, we should not pray in Arafah And we should not pray on the way to Muzdalifah, try to pray in Muzdalifah, Maghrib and Isha As the Prophet said, the Salah is ahead of you, right? Unless we said, you know that you are extremely late, the bus got stuck on the way, and it's nearly midnight, right? then we say look now you need to pray maghrib and before the waqt ends before the waqt of isha comes to an end this is important he should stay overnight in muzdalifa and this is the sunnah that we spend beat in Mudalifa means we spend the night in muzdalifa we spend the, the night in muzdalifa this is the best way to do it to spend the whole night in muzdalifa until fajr right again this is group dependent some groups say look according to the shafii Madhab, we only need to spend a very short period of time in Muzdalifah and then they go towards Mina. Right? Yes, that is one of the views of the Shafi'is. It is a view. We acknowledge that. But the Prophet ﷺ said, Take your rituals of Hajj from me, not from anybody else. Right? So those views are out there. There are differences of opinion over many things. But how did the Prophet ﷺ do it? He stayed in Muzdalifa the whole night. So this is the best way to do it. Those who leave early do not get the same reward. Because they are not following the complete sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So stay overnight in Muzdalifa, Sleep in Muzdalifah. Right? Find a place. There is nothing in Muzdalifah. Literally nothing. Right? People stop wherever they can. Different groups from all over the world. And they sleep. They put a sleeping bag out. They put a little mattress out. Whatever they have with them. And they lay down and they sleep And wallahi this is part of the spirit of hajj You know you feel uh, This is part of the sacrifice of a haji You know As opposed to sitting in the bus for a few hours And then proceeding by, And so forth uh, I personally feel it takes away from this The feeling of hajj You know that spirit of hajj That you really want um, To feel all of these rituals The way the Prophet has done it The way <coughs> Sorry In the best possible way that it can be done Um, So if it's possible for you to stay then stay If you see some people are leaving and saying Look we are not going to go with the rest of the group back We are going to stay then stay with them Then stay with them because this is the best way to do it Okay So when dawn comes you should pray Fajr early Meaning as soon as the Waqtah Fajr is in The sun is official uh, You know the Waqtah Fajr is coming up Um, We make the Adhan Make Iqamah and pray Fajr. This doesn't mean we don't pray the two raqat, We pray the two raqat sunnah. First, we know the virtue of that sunnah is better than this world and whatever it contains. As a hadith says. So pray the two of Fajr. And then pray the two Fard of Fajr. And then, head al-Mash'ar al-Haram. Mash'ar al-Haram today is where the mosque of Muzdalifa is built. Right? And he should proclaim the oneness and greatness of Allah. By saying, La ilaha illallah and Allahu Akbar. And making du'a as he likes until it becomes very light. Meaning when the light of day appears before the sun has actually risen, before it's actually sunrise. So this is now a sunnah which is lost to many hujaj. Right? It's that time of du'a after fajr. Spe- specifically on the day of Muzdalifa or the morning of Muzdalifa. This is a, a time when the Prophet stayed and he made du'a. Most people they make fajr and they immediately start walking off to Mina. Right, again, <coughs> try your best to fulfill these sunnas. Right, if it's not easy to get to Al Mash al Haram, you should make dua wherever he is. Right, it does not you don't have to get to that specific spot because, again, it's a small location for too many people. Because the Prophet stood there, and all of Muzdalifah is the place of standing. Wherever you are, it's Muzdalifah. Make sure you are in the boundaries of Muzdalifah and you spend the night there, wake up, make fajr. Right, so. There will be lots of groups making fajr Because like I said There's no, you know, nobody Not everybody can go to the big masjid So you pray with a little jama'ah that you're with You know, all of you together Take wudu, khalas, men in front and women at the back Pray the two rak'at sunnah And then together you make a jama'ah Pray fajr Right? Um, And then Try and just remain in the place of dhikr. Try and glorify Allah Praise Allah. says, La Allahu akbar. Do your usual adhkar so after Salah, your usual adhkar of Sabah, the morning du'as, which is very important to incorporate in our daily lives every day, not just on Hajj. Um, and then just stay in it in a in a in a time of du'a once again until it becomes light, right? Just before sunrise. So we don't wait until sunrise again. I think Alhamdulillah today it's quite easy. You just have a little app on your phone and you can access exactly. Okay, it's Fajr time now. Sunrise is at this time exactly. So before sunrise, don't wait until sunrise. Just before sunrise it's now, it's already light outside. Um, this is now the time for dua. Right, you should make dua. Try and face the Qibla. Try and raise the hands, etc. And just make lots of dua in that moment. Right. <coughs> The Prophet ﷺ granted a concession to the weak among his family, allowing them to leave Muzdalifa at night, like bint Abi Bakr. She used to watch for the setting of the moon. When the moon disappeared, she left Mustalifa and went to Mina, which is definitely after midnight, which approximates which is approximately two-thirds of the, when the two-thirds of the night have passed. Okay, so um, those who were old and sickly or weak or pregnant they were allowed to leave early because for them to spend the night in Muzdalifah was maybe not easy right so we say the same thing if this is your case if a person is sickly or elderly or pregnant or not feeling well then you don't have to spend the whole night in Muzdalifah this was allowed in the time of the Prophet he allowed it gave them a concession and again we give the same concession so we say that for those who are able and those who are healthy and young and fit spend the night in Muzdalifah you know, even if it's just you and your family, really, it's, you, you're not going to get lost. Right? You're not going to get lost. Um, it's not like Arafah, you know. You spend the night with a group, and in the morning, everybody walks in the same direction towards Mina. You go towards the Jamarat, you pelt, and then you go back to your camp in Mina. Right? Um, <coughs> but for those who are unable, they are allowed to leave after a specific time um of the night right so what we found some of the Sahaba did was is they waited for approximately uh, after two-thirds of the night have passed again a third of the night this has to be calculated once again it's calculated the same way midnight is calculated you take the time from maghrib till fajr how many hours is that exactly let's say for argument's sake it is um 12 hours right Midnight would be, after 6 hours, in the middle. So if it's from 7 o'clock, you count 6 hours, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 11, and 12. Which means at 1 o'clock is midnight. If the night was um, 12 hours long, and it started at 7, then at 1 o'clock is actually midnight. Um, then, according to this example, the third of the night would be 12 hours divided by 3. So 2 thirds would be after... Would be after 12 divided by 3 is how much? 4, 8, 12, right? So it would be after 8 hours. 2 thirds would be after 8 hours. So you would count 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2. So at 3 a.m., that is now 2 thirds of the night has now passed. The last third of the night would then be from 3 a.m. for the next um, 4 hours. That, that's obviously a long period of time. That's not exactly an accurate example. But that is just how we work it out. This is this is the formula to use for any time um, of the year. That's how you work out a third of the night or two-thirds of the night or half of the night or a quarter, etc. And so forth. You've got to count the time between Maghrib and Isha. That's the full night, and then you split it up. Half, quarter, and so forth. So they left after two-thirds of the night, right? Just the majority of the night. I think what the groups do is some people they don't get they don't even get out of the bus they stay in the bus until midnight until midnight so they stay for half of the night and then they leave okay this would be permissible inshallah especially for the elderly this is permissible and for those who are not able they should spend at least half of the night in Muzdalifa and then they will proceed off to Mina Taib um <coughs> again the ideal thing is to stay in Mina but for those who are old again, this is the concession that we give them. They have to spend at least half the night. If they spend two-thirds, it will be good. If not, at least half the night in Muzdalifah. And then they will proceed off to, to Mina. Some people stay up on the night of Muzdalifa, praying Qiyamul Layl, reciting Quran, reciting Dhikr and so forth. Right, and this obviously seems like a very good thing to do. However, what we find is, this is contrary to the Sunnah, was the Prophet ﷺ did not worship Allah in this manner on this night. Rather in Sahih Muslim is narrated from the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah رضي الله عنهما, that the Prophet ﷺ prayed Isha in Muzdalifah. He then laid down until dawn came and then he prayed Fajr. Right? And this indicates that there is no tahajjud or worship or tasbih or dhikr or reading Quran on this night. Remember, tahajjud and qiyamul layl. Right, for us is is obviously something good and it's recommended. But the Prophet it was actually fault for him to pray Qiyamul Layl. It was a fault for him. Allah made it uh, obligatory upon him. So he prayed Qiyamul Layl every night. If we find that he didn't pray Qiyamul Layl purposefully, like the night of Muzdalifah, then this means he was doing it for a reason to show us that it's not necessarily a Sunnah to do it on that night. And the reason for this is what? There is hikmah in the sunnah, there is hikmah in this. The hikmah is that, try and rest. It's not a time to exert yourself, you know? Try and rest. Remember, you're coming off a long journey now. It's, 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 it's starting from the eighth. And you've now, a person's emotions are already running high. Um, we don't know how well you sleep, how a person may have, not, may have slept in Mina. You know, you start no longer in a hotel and so forth. Then the next morning, you up early and you proceed off to Arafah. And you hold day in Arafah, right? From the morning, you get there. If you can take a nap in Arafah, it's good. You know, before Dhuhr, that time is a good time to take a nap, to rest. And then the whole day you end Dua, from, you know, Dhuhr until Maghrib. From Maghrib time, you now proceed to Muzdalifah. Then by the time you get to Muzdalifah, you pray Maghrib and Isha together, you have something to eat, and it's now already, you know, it's after Isha, it's, it's, it's late night. By this time a person is usually quite tired, you know, especially if you've been doing walking and so forth, and especially if it's summer, it's, it's hot, it's a long day. Um, <coughs> at this point, a person is generally quite tired. So the Sunnah actually indicates to us is, pray your Salah, have something to eat, freshen up and so forth, and, lay down and go and sleep. And he only got up at Fajr. Because the next day is again a day of, exer- you know, of, of exerting yourself. So, follow the sunnah, lay down on a Muzdalifah, find a place, and go to sleep. And, Wallahi thumma wallahi thumma wallahi, I say this, it's one of the best sleeps that you ever have. The sleep in Muzdalifah, for some reason, you know, it's, there's, there's no peace and quiet in Muzdalifah. There's buses up and down there's people walking up and down there's people shouting there's people this there's you're not even in a tent you're just sleeping on the side of the road you're sleeping on the grass somewhere in a field somewhere you literally just find a spot and you sleep you know but i have experienced this a number of times and a lot of people have experienced this the moment you put your head down you must you you out and you sleep a peaceful sleep and you wake up You know, just about Fajr time, and that's a good time. You know, you get up, you freshen up, go to the bathroom, and again there'll be lines to use the bathroom. So you, you know, you you can get up a bit earlier. It's good. Um, take wudu, get ready for Fajr, and so forth. This is what you should be doing, and this is the best thing that you can do. It's better than staying up and praying because the Prophets purposely did not do it on those nights. So that's the Sunnah. Um, it doesn't mean if you woke up you can't make Istikhfar. You can, of course, but. Your primary objective is to sleep. Make sure you rested the night. That's the thing. Rest the whole night. Get up Fajr time. And pray your Fajr. Stay in Dua. And then you're going to proceed off to Mina. Right. This is what we want. Muzdalifah. It's a very simple thing. But. You know. Some people. (coughs) Either don't know. Or. um, Again. Maybe the emotions are running wild. And so forth. Allah A'lam. But this is what we should try and do. On Muzdalifah. Some people are going to stay in Muzdalifah until the sun has risen and they pray Salatul Shuruq or Ishraq or Duha, and they leave after that. And this is actually a mistake because it involves going against the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ, and is in accordance with the ways of the Mushrikeen. The Prophet ﷺ left before uh, Muzdalifah, before the sun rose when it had become very light but the Mushrikeen used to wait until the sun rose. Now the Mushrikeen, you know, they used to also make Hajj, right? They also used to make Hajj, especially before the Rasulam conquered Makkah and so forth. What they used to do is they used to wait until sunrise. And many of the mushrikeen, that was for them, they believe that was a a blessed time. You know, when the sun rises, that's a time when they would increase in worship. And that is why um, (coughs) in Islam, what do we find? We find that there are three times during the day where it's prohibited to make nafil salah, three times during the day where it's prohibited to make. Nafil Salah. The first time is at, suns- at sunrise. So, if this once at sunrise kicks in for about 15 to 20 minutes, it's prohibited to make Nafil Salah. Right? Like a, just a general voluntary Salah. It's not permissible because this was the time that the Mushrikeen used to get up and worship. And, and also, when the sun reaches its zenith, like Zawal time, also 15 to 20 minutes. At that point, when the sun is at its peak, it's also not permissible for us to make naful salah why because the Mushrikun used to this was their time for worship and also the third time during the day is before sun set because again this was when the Mushrikun used to do their ibadah so once we pray asr after asr till maghrib there's no nafil salah to be made we're not allowed to make salah in that time okay so those are the three times during the day wherein salah is prohibited the so salah is prohibited sun at sunrise during that period during zawal time and when sun sets right or well, just before sunset sorry right, the time between asr and maghrib it's not permissible for us to make nafl salah right specific salahs are allowed like for example if you enter the masjid you can make to masjid that's permissible because it's not a, it's not a general nafl salah um, but just to stand up and pray two raka'at for the sake of Allah, that's not permissible. If it's done for a specific reason, then it's permissible. Like um, two raka'at after wudu, that's permissible. Um, let's say you overslept and you woke up in the sunrise, you need to make Fajr, even if it's a sunrise because it's a specific salah I and mean, Allah knows best. Um, <clears throat> so part of the hikmah is leave, stop that du'as and everything before sunrise. Just before sunrise, take 5-10 minutes before sunrise And now you get up, get your things and you start to leave To be different to the mushrikeen To be different to the mushrikeen And to follow the way of the Prophet This is again of utmost importance So it's a mistake to stay too long And it's also kind of a mistake to leave too early Um, The best is to do it as we described it Make Fajr, stay in Ibadah, stay in worship, du'a and praising Allah and glorifying Allah until just before sunrise and then you get up and you start to leave towards Mina طيب, We've now left Muzdalifa and we're on our way to Mina When it becomes very light, before the sun rises, you should go to Mina and hasten through Wadi Mahsar Wadi, this is a basically a valley between Muzdalifah and Mina, right? Uh, the pilgrim should try and collect some pebbles for pelting either as he leaves Mustalifa or as he's walking towards Mina. So what we're going to do is when we get to Mina, we're immediately going to pelt the Jamarat or one Jamarah actually, right? So what you should do is be prepared that before you get to the Jamarah, you've got stones to pelt. So You're going to need seven um, small stones, right? So before you get there, try and collect them. So what's usually what people do is they take a small little water bottle with them um like a 200 or 250 ml bottles you get it you get that over there in Saudi and it's usually given out in, into the hujjaj for free and so forth once you drink your water keep one bottle behind and store your stones in there this is what people often do um and you start to look for little small little pebbles you know as you're walking around or just before you leave Mustafa you collect those pebbles and you keep it in your bottle so it's nice and safe and it's easy to carry around Um, if you did not do this and you get to Mina you'll probably find stones along the way or even at the Jamara you'll find stones laying around possibly but it's best to be prepared before you get there otherwise when you get to the Jamara you're gonna have to run around and look for stones Um, so try and do this before you get to Mina when he reaches Mina so you're going to walk now or uh, depending where the bus takes you you're going to get into Mina back to the 10th city and we're going to head towards the Jamarat now probably a good thing is Google you know how it looks today it's not like it looked back in the day if you look at the old pictures back in the day you saw this white um, high little pillar here people used to walk around it's not like that today it's, today it's, it's huge it's a massive structure that they've built to accommodate for millions and peop- millions of people that are walking through so the jamara is quite big and again there are different levels you can walk and you can go to the bottom level you can go to the first floor, second floor third floor fifth floor sixth floor and so forth right if you have the time or if you're not too much stuck with your group look for another floors it's not too busy you know and go there but even if it is bu- busy you know what there's so much space it's, it's it shouldn't be an issue inshallah Back in the day, this used to be a place where crowding used to happen, and people there were stampedes and so forth. And this is why, Alhamdulillah, what the authorities have done is it's very good. They have made it big and spacious to avoid this, insha'Allah. So once you enter, it's it's it looks like a it looks like uh, like a massive parking garage. You know, that's what it looks like. It looks like. A massive, uh, like you see at a mall, for example, but bigger. Um, So you choose your floor that you go up to. And then you walk. Everybody walks in one direction. From with Mina behind you, or with Mustalifa and Arafah behind you, towards the direction of Makkah. So we walk in this direction, and there will be three Jamarat. Three Jamarat, right? We are going to walk past all of the Jamarat, and only go to the last Jamarah which is called Jamratul Aqaba Jamaratul Aqaba which is the big one right this is the last one the third of the list right it's closest to makkah okay we'll get to jamaratul aqaba and we're going to throw pebbles jamarat uh, seven times right each stone each pebble is not a big stone not nothing big nothing massive it's a small little Stone like half the size of your fingertip basically Half the size of a fingertip That's the size of the, the, the little stone that you're going to be throwing Right And a very important point here is This is not a time to lose your emotion You know, this is not a time to Lose your iman even um, This is a ritual This is an act of worship that you are fulfilling You are not physically throwing the shaitan like some say You are not Throwing the shaitan, and you know, like, like some people believe, and for that reason, what happens is they become emotional and crazy because now you know they take out all of the emotion on the shaitan. You did this, and you caused me to do this, and that's and and this, sin and then subhanallah. This is not actually what this is all about. This is an act of worship, it's a ritual that we are fulfilling the way that Rasulullah wa fulfilled it, and that's why we're only throwing small little pebbles. Right? That's all. We're not supposed to throw bricks. We're not supposed to throw shoes. Yet you find people doing this. You find people throwing massive stones, you know, and putting everybody else at risk. Because, I mean, you can easily throw somebody and so forth. Allah musta'al. The actual correct view is, there's a big pit around the jamarah. Right? All you have to do is throw it inside the pit. That's all a person has to do. Even if you see it doesn't touch the... pillar in front of you as long as it went inside the pit it will touch the 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 pillar and that's sufficient for you so you don't have to throw it extremely hard you don't have to um you know throw anything huge it's just an act of worship it's a a ritual that you do according to the way the did it so there's no need to lose yourself um you know these clips going around of people saying um You know, that's where you take out your frustration And you talk to the shaitan And you tell him and you blame him for everything that you've done wrong in your life And now is your time to take your revenge Wallahi, this is all ignorance This is not the sunnah Right? We say, Bismillah, or Allahu Akbar And we throw each stone Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar And you throw After each throw, you say, with each throw, you say, Allahu Akbar And along with the sunnah, ya That Jamratul to aqaba you're obviously facing the jamara when you're throwing and Makkah will be to your left and mina to your right. So as you're walking towards the jamara, go to the left hand side of the jamara and throw from that side. So mina will be on your left, your right, sorry, your tents, the, the, the direction of your tents is on your right hand side, whilst the direction of Makkah is to your left. And then you pelt the jamara like this. Right? Remember, keep it simple. You just need to throw a simple throw. It's not like a like a like a how I, do I describe this? Like a cricket player throws a ball. Or baseball player throws a ball from far. It's not like that. It's just a little. You literally. Um, you're only using. Your forearm. Or your wrist. To throw. You know. It's just a little light little throw. Like if somebody says to you. Throw me a paper from across the room. And you throw it. over arm, But not. Not underarm. Overarm. But no, with no force. With, without taking your arm far to the back. Just. Literally, if, if your arm is in a 90-degree angle with your elbow, right, you're just gonna uh, take your forearm backwards a little bit and throw it forward, throw forward, and that's it. Very simple, nothing, um, uh, uh, no force needed and so forth. Tayyib, when we finish this stoning, he should slaughter his animal, right, so for us this will not be applicable, the animal would have been set. you you pay for your animal, and the animal will be already off to the slaughtering houses right um <clears throat> so that will be taken care of for you after you've done in stoning you then shave your head and again for a male this is where he shaves all of his hair off don't try to cut this is the time for shaving if you cut it's it's okay but to shave is best women should cut the length of a fingertip from the hair this is the first stage of exiting the ihram this is the first stage of Exiting Ihram, in in which it becomes permissible to do everything except have intercourse with one's wife. Everything is now permissible for you once again. All that which was forbidden in Ihram is now permissible except intercourse with the wife. And also intimacy, right? Intimacy would be makru or even haram, but it does not nullify your hajj. Whereas intercourse can still nullify your hajj. So, still, you need to avoid any intimacy with your spouse. Intercourse can still nullify your Hajj, right? But now you can go to your hotel room, you can go back to your camp in Mina. It all depends on what you want to do, right? And you can take a shower, you can use soap, you can take off the ihram, you can put on normal clothes, normal thobs, and so forth, right? Everything else becomes permissible once again. Perfuming yourself is fine now for the men and so forth. All of this is now permissible, right? This is what they call. They usually call this uh, South Africans call this the 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 eerste right? Or the kleine verlossing, meaning you are now at the first stage of your haram is now you are now relieved of. Taib. So what then should happen is immediately after this is done, the Prophet Wasallam, what he did was he shaved his head and he went straight to Makkah. He went straight to Makkah, he did tawaf and sa'i for Hajj. So, this is called tawaf al ifada. He went straight to Makkah, did tawaf al ifada, did sa'i. Um, and then, once you do that, your tawaf and your sa'i, you are now out of the khrutf al meaning your second stage of exiting ihram, you are done. So, now everything which was forbidden in ihram becomes permissible, even intercourse, even intimacy right this is Taful ifada which is an essential part of hajj and sa'i for hajj is an essential part of hajj without which the hajj is not accepted without which the hajj is not accepted however it is permissible to delay to another day okay so what this means is if a person feels he's tired after pelting the Jamarah this happens in the morning remember um, you've left muzdalifa just before sunrise by the time you get to Mina, it takes you, let's say an hour, let's say maximum two hours. You pelt the Jamara, it doesn't take too long. You shave your head, it's still morning time. Right, it's still morning time. So you've got the whole day to then go to Makkah, do Tawaf, Fada, and do Sa'i, and you are then done with those rituals. But it is permissible to delay them. Meaning you can decide and say, look, I'm not feeling well, I'm tired, I'm going to rest. All the crowds are extreme today perhaps you checked on tv maybe you saw look, it's very crowded in that case you are allowed to delay the taaf you don't have to go on that day you can go the night or well i wouldn't say go the night because you need to spend the night in mina right so uh, don't go too late at the same time uh, you need to decide right you can go the next day and even the day after that it's all it's all permissible even the sohadas have said you can delay that taaf so much just before you leave, right? So, like your farewell tawaf, and that tawaf you can combine into one tawaf, tawaful wida, the farewell tawaf. Um, but we don't recommend this, try and do both because you get the reward of doing both. Um, <clears throat> so, if you have the energy, it's the sunnah to go immediately to Makkah. That's if you have the energy. If you don't, and you want to relax a bit, that's also fine. If you want to go the next day, that's also fine. You decide. You know, or discuss with the group and discuss with those Maybe you in a small group that you're moving around with um, That's also good uh, And then you decide when it's, when it's going to be best for you to do that Don't overexert yourself Don't, you know, do things that's going to bring about your your. It's going to be to your detriment and so forth Be wise about it, right? Delay it if it's going to be best If you feel you can do it, go ahead and do it Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He pelted shaved his head went to Mecca, did tawaf did sa'i and he did all of this before dhuhr before the waktu of dhuhr was done again this is you know he had barakah in his time and he was not in a bus or in a car he was on a an animal camel and so forth so there was barakah in his time no doubt about that um, but again you can delay it if that's going to be best for you um, so, you decide if you want to take a small break, then go to Makkah. That's fine. Uh, it's all good. If you want to do it the next day, that's also fine. Um, there's no problem with any of this. The sunnah is also to put on um, perfume when one wants to go to Makkah and do tawaf for the men after stoning the Jamarat and shaving one's head. Because Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, I used to apply perfume to the Prophet before he entered the Ihram and when he in, and when he exited the Ihram before he did tawaf of the house, of the Kaaba. So, it's a sunnah after you shave the head, to then re-perfume yourself as you are now out of that, the, the, the first stage, stage of Ihram and you can change your clothing and so forth um, to put on perfume once again and then go into the Tawaf and your Sahi um, this is recommended ta'ib. after Tawaf and Sahi, you should go back to Mina and stay there for two nights the 11th and the 12th of Dhul-Hijjah and stone the three Jamarats during those days when the sun has passed, it's zenith. Right? So now it's the days of Mina, the days of Tashriq. The next, this is the, the, basically, you pelted on the 10th. And if you could, you did your Tawaf finish, your Sa'i finish. Then you go back to Mina. And you need to spend the night in Mina. So during the day, if you wanted to, you can go to the hotel in, 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 in Aziziyah. If it's easy for you, if it's not too far for you. If you felt like it's gonna be best for you you can do that if you feel it's best for you just to remain in Mina, you can do that again there's no hard and fast rule over here the main thing is you need to be in Mina for the night right at least half the night try don't push the, the limits try to be there you know by maghrib or just after maghrib and spend the night here until fajr that's that's of utmost importance Um, Some people prefer to sleep in Mina, some people prefer to spend the night awake in Mina and sleep during the day in Azizia, in the hotel, in a bed with his aircon and so forth. It's entirely up to you, Um, you need to decide what you are able to do. The thing is, moving from Mina to Azizia might be strenuous, depending how far it is. Um, Some, depending where the hotel is, it may not be too far, so it can be doable that you leave Mina in the morning, when it's not too hot. Get to Azizia, spend the day in the hotel because of again it's hot outside during the day, and now you have an AC and you can relax. Um, if you do this, it's fine, but make sure you, as men, you go to the Masjid for Dhuhr and Asr and so forth. Don't miss your waktu. Remember you're on Hajj, um, and the woman pray your on time and so forth. And then once you pray Maghrib or just before Maghrib, you decide it doesn't matter, go back to Mina and spend the night in Mina right take a small nap or spend the night in worship whatever but don't spend the night in sin that's the most important thing don't spend your days and your nights in sin the more ibadah you do the better it is for your hajj the more dhikr the more dua the more quran you recite um this is not days of fasting we mentioned this last week these are days of eating and days of worshiping allah and drinking so it's about being balanced balanced to what's best for you in in terms of your situation right so this will happen on the 11th so the night of the 10th you have to go back spend the night there that's the first night in in mina the next day is the 11th okay that's the day in you have to go and pelt now pelting starts after zawal pelting starts after zawal it's not an early morning ritual so you got to wait until zawal is done pray dhuhr and then you go and pelt and then you go and um then you go and pelt right so you've got the whole day to decide when you want to pelt. you can pelt after maghrib no problem even after isha no problem right choose a time when it's best for you again when it's not too hot it's not too full go and take your time and pelt, and then go back to the the either to the hotel as we said or to um to camp you depending on what you're planning to do so let's say you decide look i'm going to my hotel right and let's say you leave your time you make Fajr and you leave to the hotel, you come back to Mina right from Azizia you come back let's say uh, an hour before Maghrib for example so as you enter Mina I would say go pelt and then you go spend the night in the the camps no problem you know that's a good way to do it if you want to go to the hotels and come back Um, so don't delay the pelting till too late at night it can be done after Maghrib no problem just after Isha no problem but don't do it too late and it should not be done before Zawar, right? Some scholars are extremely strict on this And some say, look it's permissible to avoid crowding and so forth Allah knows best I would say, there's no need to do it at that time You've got the whole day to do it um, You can go late evening when it's not too hot And it's not too crowded and so forth And like I said, there's so many flaws that you can do it on You know, the crowding shouldn't be too much of an issue um, So don't do it before Zawal Because it's not from the sunnah to do that it's better for him to go to the jamarats walking, but if he rides that is acceptable, he should stone the first jamarat, which is the one that is furthest away from Makkah, and next to al-Masjid al-Khaif. Masjid al-Khaif is the big mosque in Meena. With seven pebbles, one after the another, and say Allahu Akbar with, with each row. So, the same like we did with Jamarat al-Aqaba, this is how you're going to pelt all three jamarats now. Right? So on the 11th, the 12th, and so forth, you're going to pelt all three jamarats once a day starting with the first one then the second one then the third one so as you come to the first one you should try again to stand on the left hand side of it with um, Makkah to your left and Mina to your right pelt it seven times the same way each one just a soft throw Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar seven times as soon as you're done take a small walk out of the way away from the crowds stand on the side somewhere that is enough space face the Kaaba you can see you, the, the direction will be clear to you, inshallah. Face the Kaaba, raise your hands, and make dua. Stand for as long as you can. A lengthy dua. It doesn't mean a half an hour, two hours. A good, solid few minutes. Make dua. Ask Allah for whatever you like. This is part of the rituals of, of pelting on these days of Tashriq. You pelt the first one, walk away to the side somewhere, face the Qibla, raise your hands, stand there, and make dua. As much as you can. Ask Allah for whatever is your heart's desires. Speak to Allah in your own language and so forth. If it's too difficult for him to stand for a long time make dua. He say whatever is easy for him. Even if it's a little. So that he will have done the sunnah. It's a sunnah to this dua. So don't avoid the dua. Don't just pelt and walk. Pelt. Stand. Make dua. Then we move to the, the middle. Um, Jamarah. We move to the middle one. Which is a small distance away. We get there. He should move to his left, stand, oh sorry, You should get to this Jamara now, if you can, move to the right hand side of the Jamara That's fine, if you can't, it's okay, you can stay on the left hand side Stand on the right hand side if pre- is preferable Pelt this Jamara seven times saying Allahu Akbar with each one, the same way you've done with the others Then move away to the side and again do the dua the same way like you did with the first one Stand on the side, face the Qibla, raise your hands and speak to Allah, make dua as much as you can Right? Um, He should not omit to stand and make dua because it is sunnah. So try your best to stand. If you are completely not able, sit down. But otherwise, stand and make dua in this case. Um, Many people neglect that because of ignorance or because they take the matter lightly. The more the sunnah is neglected, the more more important it becomes to do uh, and spread it among the people. Lest it be abandoned dies out right the more people abandon the sunnah more we should be fulfilling the sunnah to show them what the sunnah is and teach them what the sunnah is basically then we move to the third jamra again jamratul aqaba with seven pebbles after one another saying allahu akbar with each throw then it should go away and not offer dua after that so dua will only be done twice between the three after the first after the second and not after the first third after you pelt the third one you're done pelting for the day and you walk out of the this huge Complex and building with the Jamarata in and you walk back to your camps or back to your wherever you need to go and you're done pelting It's a very simple procedure very easy procedure Alhamdulillah. it's about sincerity and it's about fulfilling the Sunnah as best as you can um, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best When he has completed the stoning of the Jamarat on the 12th day of the Hijjah If he wants he may hasten and leave Mina and if he wants um, he may delay his departure and stay there for another night, the night of the 13th So this is an option The Quran says in the Quran, uh, it says in the Quran that whoever wants to leave early, he can leave early And whoever does, wants to delay, he can delay And obviously delaying is better because you get another day of the days of Tashriq, the 13th Right So after the 12th, you've stayed two days You pelted twice, you can leave after the second pelting Right if you want to stay for the 13th that's better for you <clears throat> some people cannot stay because they need to come home for example the tickets are booked they need to get home because of work and so forth commitments at home we, that's understood there's no sin upon them for that um if he wants to stay the 30th he can stay and still stay the three jamarat noon as he did before so the next day on the 13th he will stay again um after zawar Dhuhr, he goes to pelt for the third for the, for the third time um as the same way that you did it the two days before that. It is better to delay but it's not obligatory unless the sun has set on the 12th and he's still in Mina. In which case it is obligatory to stay until one is still on the three Jamarat afternoon on the following day. So if you decide you want to leave, you need to leave Mina before sunset. If the sun sets and you're still in Mina, you have to stay. You now have to spend the day, the night in Mina. Because so the night has started. Um, but otherwise, you can pelt and leave. That's no problem. Unless you know you in you packed your bags and you're waiting in the bus and so forth and the sun sets, then it's different. You know, it's this crowding and traffic and then it's different. You can still continue leaving. One knows best. When the pilgrim wants to leave Mecca and go back to his country, remember you are now basically done with the rituals of Hajj. What's left is you need to go back to Mecca. Before you leave, you need to perform Tawaful widaa. Tawaful widaa, which is the farewell tawaf. The Prophet ﷺ said no one should leave until the last thing that he does is tawaf around the house. That's the last thing that we do. According to another version he told the people that the last thing they should do was tawaf around the house. But he made an exception for women who are menstruating. Right? That's of course they are excluded from that. Women who are menstruating or bleeding following childbirth do not have to do the farewell tawaf. Neither should they stand by the door of Masjid al-Haram to bid farewell. Because it was not narrated from the Prophet ﷺ. So the last thing the pilgrim should do is, before we leave, we have to do tawaf al Now this can be delayed, let's say you're going to leave um, hajj, after hajj, uh, a week later for example You can delay it till the end of that week You know, if you know, look, hajj ends on the 13th for example, you're done with the pelting You're going now to Aziziyah, you can go to Aziziyah and spend the days in Aziziyah, go to Makkah during the day or the night and so forth before you leave for home The, the last thing you want to do is go make tawaf widaa the farewell tawaf And then you leave the haram and then you leave to your hotel get your bags Get your things together and you're off to the, hotel, off to the airport and you leave, right? Um, and so forth, but the last thing we do before leaving Makkah should be tawaf ul-wida'a This is for the haji, not for the person in Umrah, not for the person in Umrah, according to most scholars some scholars say for him as well, other scholars say no, but definitely for the for the haji, he must make his last ritual, the Tawaful Wida'a, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, alhamdulillah, that is the rituals of hajj. That is all of the rituals of hajj. Pretty simple, I think, it's not too complicated especially once you fulfill hajj you will see it's not there's nothing complicated about it it's a journey that requires a lot of patience and sober and sincerity that's the most important thing and that we try and do each ritual to the best of our ability according to the way the prophet وسلم, did it that is the most important thing for us to avoid quarreling to avoid sins to avoid everything evil and that the shaitan calls to um, this is the most important thing for us that will <coughs> Allow us to achieve our goal, which is a Hajma, Baroor, and Makbul, inshallah. Ta'ala. So, if there's any questions, um, feel free to WhatsApp me. Uh, you obviously, have me in the WhatsApp group and so forth. So, any questions on this, anything with no matter how small it may seem or major, whatever it is, send me a message and I will respond, inshallah, and, and clarify any things. Unfortunately, the, I mean, I miss the classroom. Teaching like this is not the same. But, qadr Allahumma we have to do with, you know, what we can, and the situation is such that this is our best option. Um, so we may ask Allah to make it easy for us all to grant us all safety and protection from the virus that's going around and from all evil and harms that's out there. And Allah relieves us, relieves us of this um, this test and this calamity, and that He subhanahu wa taala He grants those who are sick shifa and 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 that he relieves us of this and he makes us better muslims during this time he makes us people who maximize this time of the lockdown and so forth uh, in his worship and in tawbah independence and changing our ways and making us better people and this real in reality is a good opportunity for the hujjaj to rectify themselves to come closer to allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, um to come closer to the quran to study more read up more the hadith and the sunnah and just listen to beneficial lectures and so forth This is a good opportunity for the Especially for those going on hajj Especially for those going on hajj Bi-idnila hajj will happen um, This virus will be overcome And we will be ready inshallah To maximize our hajj inshaAllah um, <coughs> So any questions please send it through to me um, We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make the hajj happen that's definitely a dua we should make. Ask Allah we'll to make this go away so that we can fulfill our Hajj. That He gives us the health and the wealth and the ability to fulfill it in the best way possible. Amina Rabbal alamin. Wa salallahu Nabiina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabi ajma'een. Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik. Shadu la ilaha illa anta staghfiruka wa tubu ilayk.